Hello, Saints. It sure is good to be back with you. And I thank you so much for being with us today. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Let's pray and ask the Father for some help today, okay? Lord, precious Father, we thank you so much for your grace today. Lord, give us your presence today, your powerful presence. And we thank you for your anointing, Lord, to encourage the saints and take all fear and anxiety out of our hearts concerning the days ahead. And we know, Lord, that you have awesome big plans for us, and we want your peace in every place that we go. You taught us, Lord, that we can keep perfect peace in those whose minds have stayed on thee. And keep our minds upon you, Lord, and on your word. Then, Lord, help us to stand on the rock. Father, concerning the things that we see in here, don't let us be moved by anything but your word, Lord. And we ask for this grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, as you probably already know, it looks like there's some mighty shakings of God just around the corner. The Lord doesn't want us to be troubled about it, though. It's all part of his plan. He is a sovereign God. And he works all things after the counsel of his own will, and a man can receive nothing except it come from heaven, Ephesians 1 and 11, John 3, 27. That's what the Bible says. And we can trust in him because he does according to his will. He reigns upon the heaven and earth, what the Bible says. So we can trust in him. These shakings are coming in order to bring a whole bunch of folks into the kingdom. And yet, Folks, we don't want to be anxious or fearful concerning these things that are fixing to happen. We want to be at peace. We want to be able to be used of God when these things happen. You are totally useless to God if you have anxiety and fear. You can't be used of the Holy Spirit. Now, the devil knows that. He's making war on the saints. He's about to make a great war on the saints for some period of time. And those that walk by faith ain't got nothing to worry about. Those that draw close to the Lord and depend upon him, even for their faith and their grace, they ain't got nothing to worry about. But folks, there is a great weeding company. In this, God is going to use these shakings to separate the church and to bring out from the apostate church those people who want to walk with the Lord and have a gift from God to walk with him. You know, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent the disciples and the 70 out on a kind of a on-the-job training. This is a foretaste. It's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in our day in the beginning of the tribulation period, because the things that have been are the things that shall be. The things that have been are the things that shall be done. We're coming into a great time of grace, and the Lord is going to show up also. He's going to be manifested in his people, Christ in you, the hope of glory. His first fruits man-child ministry are going to be able to do the same things that Jesus did in his first fruit ministry. 
also in raising up disciples and even sending forth two by two. All this is going to be repeated. We're fixing to see some great, mighty things that the Lord is going to do through his folks, through his people. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 17, And the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us in thy name. Well, I know some of you already know this, but the overwhelming majority of Christianity doesn't. Even the overwhelming majority of God's elect don't know this, but they're going to. And they're going to come out. They're going to be led. They will be disciples. And then they're going to shake the world, glory to God. And so they were filled with much joy to find out that the demons were subject unto them. Remember that in Mark 16 and 17. And these signs shall accompany them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out demons? We have been given authority over demon powers. And it's a wonderful thing to see people set free. But can we defend ourselves against these demons? Because the attacks are coming. The warfare is about to go forth against the saints and God's people. And those who walk by faith are not going to have anything to worry about. Now, can I share with you a moment about fear and anxiety? And mostly I just want to talk about anxiety. You know, once the Lord has put his word in your heart, and you have been experiencing walking in that, it's real hard for fear and anxiety to come into your heart. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to prepare us for the things to come. And I know that some people won't be prepared and they're going to be shocked. They're going to be fearful. But I believe they're going to run to the Lord for their refuge. And then God's going to teach them how to walk in peace and rest. Now let's read some more out of Luke chapter 10, starting in verses 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan fallen as lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authorities, verse 19, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall in any wise hurt you. Verse 20, Nevertheless, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. They came back rejoicing that the demons were subject to them. And again, Jesus mentioned to them about the spirits being subject to them and that he has given them authority to tread upon the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, serpents and scorpions are the spirits that he's talking about and their spirits they were exercising authority over. There are two, two two different kinds of spirits. Now let's take a look at that because it's got a lot of bearing on anxiety and fear and how to deal with it. And the first thing is that there are serpent spirits and the Bible clearly identifies that in Acts chapter 16 and 16. And it came to pass as we were going to the place of prayer that a certain maid having a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Well, here we've got a soothsaying maid that was troubling Paul 
Finally, he'd had enough of it. And he turned and he cast out that spirit of divination from that soothsaying maid. <clears throat> it is a spirit of false prophecy. And the original Greek, Greek word there means a spirit of python. The word divination there means a spirit of python. In other words, a spirit of divination is a, a serpent spirit and a big one at that. And as you know, serpents have poison, and the poison is in their heads. Serpent spirits are deceiving spirits. They have to do with your head. They make war with your mind. False prophecy does that, along with all the other serpent spirits. They bring deception to mankind. However, it is the second group here that I need to point out to you, the scorpions. It's the ones that I want to deal with. He said, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And tread means to put them under your feet, under your authority, under your dominion. And we exercise dominion over them. That's what it means. The word scorpions here in the Greek is scorpios. And that's where we get our English word scorpion. Jesus in Luke chapter 11 was making war against the demon powers and teaching his disciples how to make war against the demon powers. And in Luke chapter 11 and verse 20, it says, but if I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, then is the kingdom of God come upon you. Obviously, Satan doesn't cast out Satan. It's only the kingdom of God that gives deliverance from Satan and his demons. Luke 11.21 says, When the strong man fully armed guards his own court, his goods are at peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he takes from him his whole armor, wherein he trusted and provides his spoils. And we know that that's exactly what Jesus was. He was stronger than the strong man. He conquered the devil, and he gave us that authority over him too. He passed this on to his disciples. He gave them authority over all the power of the enemy. And he was dividing their spoils, glory to God. You see, we are plundering the devil's kingdom when we preach the gospel to somebody and they believe it. Guess what? They were delivered out of the devil's kingdom and into the kingdom of God. The same happens when we heal the sick and when we cast out demons also. And that's our job, folks. We all have a job to do in plundering the devil's kingdom. Luke 11 and 23, he that is not with me is against men. He that gathers not with me scatters. So we need to be on the Lord's side. He ordained us. He raised us up and he wants us all to have a part in this. And no matter where we are or what we're doing, we work for the kingdom of God and we represent the king of glory. We are ambassadors of Christ and we speak for him in this world. And we go forth to do his works in this world. He said, these things shall accompany them that believe. And so if you are a believer, you got a right to do those things that Mark 16 speaks about. That is healing the sick, casting out devils, speaking in tongues, using the gifts of the Spirit, and doing the works of God, bringing the kingdom of heaven down to earth. Luke eleven twenty three says, 
He that gathers not with me scatters. And that word scatter here is the word scorpizo. And it means to penetrate and put to flight. Well, you know what a scorpion does, right? It's a very small creature. But it's frightening because people know the pain, the trouble, and the poison that can come from it, right? You know, there are some small creatures out there that frighten people more than big creatures sometimes. You remember when the Israelites were going into their promised land, God spoke to them several times and said that he was going to send a hornet out ahead of them to drive their enemies out from before them. Well, yet we all know what a hornet is, right? It's a real small insect. Uh, boy, it's got a sting in its tail, just like the scorpion. The poison is in its tail, not in its head. It goes forth, and boy, let me tell you, it can put a lot of folks to run it. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been chased by one of them before, but it can put you to running too. And of course, God was using the hornet as a type and a shadow. In the same way he was using in here for the scorpion to penetrate and to put to flight. We've been told to take up the shield of faith where, wherewith we can quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. We need the shield of faith whenever we're attacked by these scorpion spirits because their job is to cause you to run. And they can do it. And they can do a real good job of it too. The Lord has taught us that several of these scorpion spirits basically cause God's people to give up the battle in the face of the enemy. And two of the big ones are anxiety and fear. And of course, there's also guilt, rejection, shame, and unbelief, which is another real strong one. And those things cause God's people to give up the battle. But knowledge of the word of God and understanding who we are in Christ, that he has delivered us, gives us the power over them. Because all these things cause God people to run from the battle, the real battle. Not to take up their sword of the spirit and shield of faith and helmet of salvation and conquer the enemy. He says, if we're not with Jesus, we're against him. And if we're not gathering with him, then we are scattered. And of course, if you're not plundering Satan's kingdom, what's happening? He's plundering you. You can't have it both ways. It's either one or the other. The Lord has given us the victory in Jesus Christ. And we know because of the sacrifice that he gave that we have been given the victory. He said this. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's already conquered the devil. That evil one, he conquered sin. He conquered the curse. He conquered sickness. He conquered it all at the cross. And it gives us authority and power over the devil. You know, we should be able to defend ourselves against the fear and anxiety that's going to attack a lot of folks when they see the fearful things that are coming on this world. And it's quite normal and natural for the wicked to run and to be fearful. And to be moved by what they see and what they hear and what they feel. But it's not for us. Proverbs 28 1 says the righteous are as bold as a lion. But the wicked flee when no man pursues. And it's quite normal for the wicked to be anxious and fearful. But not for us. 
because we need to hold fast that bold faith that the Lord has given to us so that we're not given in to any of this. There are things that you can do that will totally take away your defense against these demon spirits. And one of the most important ones that deliver many of God's people over to the power of these demons is just unforgiveness. And it's one of the most common ones. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 34 and 35, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due. And so shall also my heavenly Father do unto you. If you forgive not every one his brother from your hearts. If we don't forgive our brother from the heart, the Father will turn us over to the tormentors until we pay our own debt. Many of God's people don't realize that they're laboring under these demons and they can't get the victory. They can't overcome. They ain't got no confidence. They've got no gift of faith and they don't understand that it's because they've got unforgiveness, bitterness, and judgment. Listen, every one of those are related. They got that all against their brothers. Jesus is not a liar. He said the Father's going to turn you over to the tormentors. And you know one thing that we have to do, folks, is to have a clean conscience. That is, if we want to have boldness before God, don't we? First John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have boldness toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Man, that's a place of safety right there, isn't it? We don't have to worry about a thing. We just ask God and God answers. Oh, dear God. 1 John 3.22 says, Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. In other words, we have a clean conscience. And that ought to put the fear of the Lord in you, not the fear of anybody else, right? For the Lord himself is the only one we have to please. Glory to God. 1 John 3.22, Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. 1 John 3.21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have boldness toward God. Listen, if you want to be ready for the things that are coming, just know that Satan is going to send fear and anxiety out there too. They're going to lead the pack. And usually what happens is people see something or hear something, and all of a sudden the devil is there to penetrate and to put to flight. He's there to attack. And that's when we need to be full of the boldness of the Lord and realize we're dealing with the enemy. This is not our mind. This is the devil attacking our mind, trying to bring us down so that we will be totally useless in this battle. You know, one thing that we have to realize, folks, is that this is sin. Many times people think on these things and they think this is just a weakness in them. They don't have the faith that they need, but the Bible calls this in Hebrews 3 and 12. Listen to what it says. Take heed, brethren, lest happily there should be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief and falling away from the living God. Then we're told in Revelation 21 and 8. But for the fearful and unbelieving, well, you see there it's a sin. It's thrown in there with all the other sins and abominable, and murderers, and fornicators, and sorcerers, and idolaters, 
and all liars, their part shall be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So you see, this is a sin. You know, when you're tempted with fear and anxiety, think about it. It's a sin. Many people don't treat it like that. They pacify it. They think about it. And they, they talk around it. And they give in to it. And I want you to know the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. The Bible says when that comes, it is of the devil. And it's in order to manipulate us and to move us to react. Instead of act according to what the word of God says and come against it. The devil wants to put us to flight before him so that he can continue to plunder us. But we need to be bold in our faith. We have been given authority over him in everything. And nothing shall in any wise hurt us. Well, does that word actually mean that? Yeah. Yes, it does. It means that nothing shall in any wise hurt us, but is only effectual when you mix it with faith, according to Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. The word didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard. So you see, we have been given dominion over anxiety and fear. And we ought to know from God's word that these things are going to come. And these things are going to come because God said he was going to shake everything that could be shaken so that the things that couldn't be shaken would remain. God's going to bring down this world through these great shakings and he's going to do it in the lives of his people. Events will occur that you and I have never seen on this earth. In fact, Things that have never happened before are going to happen. They're going to put the fear of God in his elect. However, in the wicked, the fear of the devil, the fear of the curse, and the fear of the things that are coming upon the world, the hearts of men are going to fail them for the fear of the things that are coming upon the world. But God's elect are going to have his patience and they're going to have his peace in the midst of this. And I ain't saying that they're going to have it all of a sudden and at the beginning, but they all are going to grow into it. They're all going to understand what it is to serve the Lord. They're all going to be highly motivated because of things that are coming upon the world. And yes, these shakings are coming. But I want to tell you that we need to call fear and anxiety what God in the Bible calls them. And that's sin. God has given us a deliverance from this. We can count on it because God has delivered us from all sin. Hebrews 10 and 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He delivered us from sin. John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus took away our sin. Jesus took away fear and anxiety. We don't have to put up with it because he did that, right? We don't have to put up with it. But we can partake of the peace of God in the midst of great destructions upon this world. They're coming, folks. They're coming fast, too. And it's a trick of the devil to immediately show up with fear and anxiety when something like this happens. And you need to cast it down. 
Because you see, we are children of the king. We are here for our own purpose and not for the purpose of the world. What the world is going to go through and take a penalty for, we don't have to take the penalty for because our Lord Jesus already took it. He became a curse for us. He bore the penalty. And what should we fear? Now let's take a look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. Well, since we have that authority and those promises with God, what is anxiety? It's unbelief. You and I don't believe that the word of God is true when we give in to this temptation. It's sin. We need to look at it as sin and cast it down like we would any other kind of sin. And the ones that are mentioned, they're in uh, Revelation 21 and 8. But for the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and fornicators and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part shall be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Well, you wouldn't think of doing some of those things that are mentioned there, but would you consider fear and anxiety the same way as a sin before God, as unbelief before the king, as someone who is not justified because he's not letting God be true and every man a liar? Well, we see here it's real plain, isn't it? And nothing be anxious, Philippians 4 and 6. And who says that? God. And why? Because he's absolutely sovereign. We don't have to worry about anything. He's already got everything under control. So let's go back to verse uh, 1 in Philippians chapter 4. Wherefore, my brethren, beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. I exhort Eodia, and I exhort Sintas, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Well, you know, the Lord wants us to stand steadfast and he wants us to be unmovable in him. He don't want us to be moved by what we see or what we hear. Because you're about to hear and see some horrendous things that happen in this world. And he don't want us to be moved by that at all. Just remember, we are the ones here that God has given a demonstration to. He, we are the ones he wants to teach. He doesn't want to destroy us because he's got good plans for us. Keep that in mind. And all these promises concerning you are true, and they are true for you. So he says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2, I exhort to you, I exhort Eudodia, Eudodia, I'm sorry, and I exhort Sintice to be of the same mind. Yodia means to be successful in reaching a goal, to succeed in reaching. Sintice is just the opposite. It means to meet with an accident. They're opposite names here. They got opposite meanings. But sometimes you just walk in the success of the Lord, and sometimes you meet with an accident, right? Well, what's he saying? Be of the same mind, no matter which one you're going through. And as a matter of fact, he says something over in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. 
Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therein to be content. Be content? Why? Because everything that comes to you, saints, comes to you from the hand of God. He wants you to trust in Him. Well, we got Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2. He says, I exhort Euodia and I exhort Sintice to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yea, I beseech thee also, true yoke fellow, help these women, for they labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Yes, they do. They labor with all of us in the gospel. And they labor with us in our own life and bearing fruit and on and on and on. We learn that God wants us to be stable and not moved by our emotions up and down, moved by every wind of doctrine, by everything that happens in the world. He don't want us to be blown around. He wants us to be stable. He wants us to be steadfast on his word, just like a standing on a, on a rock. And with the merciful, God's going to show himself merciful. And with those that will have mercy towards others and be forgiven towards others, God's going to show himself the same way. Sometimes we do a lot of harms to ourselves in the way that we relate to others. Like uh, Matthew eighteen thirty four says, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due. And so shall also my heavenly Father do unto you, if you forgive not every one of his brothers from your hearts. He turns you over to the tormentors. And so we need to be merciful, and we need to not be moved by success or failure. Philippians 4 and 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your forbearance be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand, so much more today. In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In other words, don't worry about nothing. Just lay your request before God. Now, didn't he say in Mark eleven twenty four? Therefore, I say unto you, all things whatsoever ye pray and ask for, believe that ye received them, and you shall have them. Are we going to be anxious, or are we going to be uh, believers? Anxiety here is totally, totally against faith. Revelation 21 and 8 said, But for the fearful and unbelieving, their parts shall be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Folks, it's a sin. It's a sin against God. And so if you know that, you know that you can cast it down. You can put up your shield of faith and quench that fire and dark. You don't have to let that scorpizo penetrate and put the flight of your heart in your life. There's too many people out there not acting on the word. They're reacting to what the devil is doing around them. So guess who and what they are ruled by. If you're, if they, if you are not ruled by faith, you're going to be ruled by fear. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathers not with me scatters. So if you want to be moved and ruled by the Lord, then remember 
that this is a sin. This anxiety and fear comes immediately after some disaster to people's hearts. That's the devil seeking to bring them into bondage. And it has to be cast down immediately. And so he says in Philippians 4 and 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. That's what we need, the peace of God in the midst of turmoil. When the world looks at you and wonders why you are at peace. Then, of course, Isaiah 26 and 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Glory to God. Keep your mind on what God has said and on what he has taught you and cast down everything else that the devil fires your way. And the Lord is going to keep you in perfect peace while people are falling apart around you. They're going to be going this way and you're going to be going that way. And you know, because when you react to the devil, he's hurting you in the direct place he wants you to go. And what's he proving? He's proving that you're one of his pack. If you follow him, you're one of his. And what are we proving in these wilderness tribulation, in these trials that we're going to go through? These things that are really not accidents. Because nothing can come into your life by accident. They are trials from the Lord to show us he has absolute control over everything. Otherwise, how can he say and nothing be anxious? That he works all things together for your good. You know because he is in absolute control. And you can trust him. You can rest in his promises. So don't let anxiety or fear affect you. Cast it down. Now let's read a little bit further down here. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Well, that's exactly what Isaiah 26 and 3 said. He will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Who is the truth? Jesus Christ, the word of God. Then it goes on and says, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. Well, we want to believe and remember the good report, don't we? And it don't make any difference what happens in the world around us. We have to hold fast to the good report. When the Israelites were moved by fear and anxiety, they cried out to God who they thought had brought them to that wilderness just to die. And that's foolish. You only think that away when you're under the dominion of fear and anxiety. The Lord hadn't brought us anywhere to fail. He brought us there to teach us to be sons of God. And if we will only keep our mind on him upon the word of God and the good report, Glory to God. Remember, they listened to the bad report from the spies who didn't have any faith in God. They believed that they couldn't conquer that land or those people, those giants, which actually represented their old flesh. He said, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Refuse to think on the things that are going to destroy you or cause you to be manipulated, or to be herded before the demons of the devil, 
hurting so that you can partake of their curse. And the things that you learned, you received and heard and saw in me, these things do, Paul said. Follow me as I follow the Lord. Even today, folks, when you see people that are following the Lord and are a good example, you can pay attention to their witness and their testimony. And others, if they don't have that, then don't pay much attention to them. There are many people out there speaking out of their theology with no experience whatsoever. They hadn't walked with God by faith. And they're leading God's people into Babylon. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. The things which you have both, which you both learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And that's what we want, folks. We want to walk in the peace of God. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou would keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. That's what we desire, folks, to walk in peace. If we permit the devil to penetrate our defense, which is faith in the word of God, our shield of faith, then we allow the fiery dart, the stinger, to come through our defenses. Then we're going to be overcome by emotions. And we'll be doing what the world does and falling under the judgment of the world. And that's exactly what the Israelites did in the wilderness when they fell under the judgment of the world and under the curse of Deuteronomy 28. They died in the wilderness instead of overcoming and entering into the promised land like Joshua and Caleb did. Then it says, but I am persuaded of better things of you. Paul said, I am persuaded that the Lord is able to keep you and to bring you through these troubling times in boldness and in courage. Glory to God. And make sure, as 1 John 3.21 said, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have boldness toward God. Make sure that there is nothing in your heart that's going to hinder because you are being obedient to God. Nothing in your heart that will separate you from that boldness that God gives to those that are obedient. 1 John 3.21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have boldness toward God. Philippians 4.9 says, The things which you both learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do, and the God of peace shall be with you. There's one place in the Bible where Jesus spoke about anxiety, and it was in Matthew 6, and he spoke it six times, and he didn't do that anywhere else. That was in the story of Matthew, chapter 6 and verse 19. And I'll read that. Because it's where an awful lot of people, a lot of Christians struggle. And we're heading toward a wilderness trial here, folks. And one thing you see in a wilderness trial is that the Lord suffered his people to see lack. So he'd find out what they would do. He suffered them to be tried so he would see how they would react. In all these places that the Lord led his people, Israel in the wilderness, it was from one trial to the next to see lack ahead of them. And of course, they had an opportunity to be penetrated by fear and anxiety and begin to run in the opposite direction of God, to be, uh, to begin to cry out in unbelief and accuse God of things that he had no mind to do to kill them in the wilderness. You know what? They finally convinced him. They convinced him because that was exactly what they needed. It was their fault 
because he said in Numbers 14, 28, Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, surely as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Well, they had faith for it, and he gave it to them. Matthew 9, 29 says, According to your faith, be it done unto you. Folks, anxiety and fear is faith. It's just negative faith. Faith in the curse and in the devil. And I want to tell you that God is going to let you have it if you believe it. If you believe what he says, you're going to give what he gives out. And the Lord has given out his gifts of faith and boldness. Now, let me read what Jesus had to say concerning his provisions for us in the times to come. Now, I know some of you don't believe there's anything to come but peace and prosperity to God's people because of how special they are. Well, I just want to tell you, you're missing history. So, read the Bible. Again, God's people went through fiery trials. They were hated of the nations. And let me tell you that Jesus said the same of us. Matthew 24 and 9. They shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all the nations for my name's sake. Some of you have never gone through any of that or being hated or others. None of us have gone through what we're about to see, the hatred of the whole world against Christianity. The Lord is rising up a real big enemy against this small group of elect, exactly the way it was with Israel. But you know, that the Lord is doing all of this in order to show himself strong on behalf of them that have put their faith and trust in him. Jesus talked about the provision that he's going to have. The Lord is going to take a lot of worldly possessions away from his people in the days to come so that their provisions will come from heaven. He's going to provide for his people. And in this chapter, Jesus mentions it six times. And the Greek word for anxiety is the same one we just read in Philippians 4 and 6. In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And it's all, it was always about their provision, the things that they needed in which to live in the wilderness. Now let's begin in Matthew 6 and 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth consume, and where thieves don't break through nor steal. Why is it? that God's people feel like they need to store up things for the future. Many people's confidence is in what they can store up, not in what God promised he'd do. And that's where their confidence is. In fact, he goes on to mention mammon. Now let me read on a little bit here. 621, For where thy treasure is, there will thy heart be also. Meaning, of course, your treasure is something that you stored up as a provision for your future then that's where your heart's going to be. He said in Matthew 6 and 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. 
In other words, an eye that is single is not an eye that is set upon its own perdition, not set upon things that has been stored up or saved up to save self in the days to come. That's not what it was on. 23 says, but if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is the darkness? Well, an eye that is dark is an eye that has its confidence in the things of the world. Now, I'm going to prove that in just a minute here. Now, he said in verse 24, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. Well, two masters. What's he talking about? Well, he says here that you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon here represents trusting in worldly treasures that are stored up or hidden. That's what it means. The full meaning of it, trusting in the things of the world to provide salvation. Is what it means. And as you know, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, God permitted them to have something they trusted in, gold and silver. And that was given into their hands by the Egyptians, by the world. And again, they made an idol out of this, meaning they trusted in it. God wanted them to be tried in this way because he was the one that permitted them to go out there with his gold. But, his plan was to try them to see if they would be faithful. And what happened? Well, they were not faithful. They made an idol out of that gold and the thing that they had stored up to preserve them through their wilderness trials. God wanted to meet their needs out of heaven, and that was his plan from the beginning. He had to get that gold out of the way, and he did. He had it all ground up and thrown in the creek that they were at. They were even told to drink it, glory to God. In other words, I hope you remember this lesson. You know, that was the whole point behind this lesson. And so the things that people trust in, the things that they are storing up for the times to come, they are doing because they don't believe the word of God. They don't believe what Philippians 4.19 says. And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. They are anxious, troubled, and fearful. They trust and have confidence in mammon. The eye that is evil, the eye that is not single. Let me read on and see if Jesus confirms this. Matthew six twenty five. Therefore I say unto you, be not anxious. Well, there's one right there. That's the same word, baraneo. The same word that we just read in Philippians 4 and 6. For your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. We don't have to worry about these things. We don't have to worry about in our own strength preparing to preserve ourselves for the day to come. Many people say they get words from the Lord about this. And I want to tell you something. We're coming to a time when God wants to prove his power to save you by signs and wonders and miracles. Not by your old worldly methods. God's provisions came out of heaven to God's people. He didn't want them to be anxious. He didn't want them to be fearful. What he did want was them to trust in his provisions. So he ran them out of everything that they provided for themselves when they came out of Egypt. He ran them out of food and water and all of these things. And then... He provided for them. He got the water out of the rock. 
He got the manna out of heaven and quail out of the sky. And that's why we're coming to the exact same time in history, except this time is for the church. And once again, God's going to provide for those who believe. And he says here, is not the life more than the food and the body than the raiment? Behold the birds of the heaven that they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. And your heavenly Father feeds them. Have you thought that if you could not provide for yourself, if the economy went down, which it's going to, and you couldn't work, that God would not provide for you? Well, I guarantee you he will if you walk by faith. In the words, so not, is God teaching that you don't need to work for a living? Well, obviously not, because if a man doesn't work, he doesn't need. And I believe there's going to be a great exchange in these days. God's people are going to finally wake up, glory to God, begin to take the Great Commission seriously. What did Jesus say in Luke eleven twenty three? He that gathers not with me scatters. He wants us gathering. He rises up disciples to do his work of the Great Commission. And now, if you're not working for the world, you can work for him, right? Even the birds and the flowers work for him, but they don't toil in the world. And God still feeds the birds and the clothes, the flowers. And he says in Matthew 6 and 26, Behold the birds of heaven that they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. They're not storing up their treasures, their food for the days to come. And your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not ye of much more value than they? And which of you by being anxious? Well, there it is again. Can I add one cubit unto the measure of his life? Well, we know that anxiety does nothing but destroy you physically, mentally, and emotionally. It brings sickness. It tears down your immunity. It brings sickness into your life. Anxiety does that. Faith can beat anything, but anxiety can do nothing except bring you more harm. Matthew 6 and 28 says, And why are you anxious? There it is again, concerning raiment. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Oh, glory. But if God does so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? God's going to take care of this, folks. Don't worry about a thing. Some of you are going to lose your job that you prize so much. And maybe your high standard of living. However, you're going to exchange your attitude towards the world and the things of the world for one that's like those disciples in Jesus' day. Christians were plundered in Jesus' day. When they became Christians, when those Jews became Christians, they were plundered. Ain't nobody would do business with them. They couldn't do business with the world. Basically, they were in the wilderness, folks, yet the Lord provided for them because they put their trust in him. Matthew 6.31 says, Be not therefore anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? 
Well, I wonder why he keeps mentioning the same thing. Because he knew the carnal nature and he knew the trials that were coming for the Jewish Christian in these days. They were going into their tribulation. Jesus spoke this in the beginning of the first three and a half years of their tribulation. And he knew what they were going through and what we were going to go through in our day. And that's the same thing. And I'm telling you, there's a great economic collapse coming, and yet God has made this this promise, and he's going to provide for his people. <clears throat> the first thing you need to do is don't give in to any anxiety or fear. Know that God has said he's your Jehovah Jireh. He's going to provide for you in everything. And he wants to show you his glory. He wants to show you his power. So don't be fearful. Matthew 6, 31. Be not therefore anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles. That was the hint, that was the heathens at that time, right? Seek for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. He already knows this. You ain't got to worry about it. You don't have to beg. You don't have to spend hours and hours on your need. All you got to do is Philippians 4 and 6. In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You're not going to be heard for you much speaking, folks. So don't be fearful or anxious because of what you see or because it appears like you're coming to the end of your own provision. Because God may be bringing you there. And he's going to ultimately do it. And you need to be at the end of your own provision so that you can receive God's provision. He wants to show you a miracle. He wants to show you many miracles. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Can you imagine that God is going to make sure that you're going to be provided for as you seek first his kingdom? That is, seeking to build his kingdom both in your life and the lives of the people around us. Seek first his kingdom. And what do we say? Well, he's going to make sure that you are going to have everything that you need. And of course, you're not going to have a love of the world because the love of the world is sin. The love of the Father is not. And I would say the overwhelming number of Christians have a problem with the love of the world. They are even taught that in their prosperity-minded churches, now I ain't talking about the prosperity of the body, I'm talking about the prosperity of the world. They have to have the things of the world, right? Matthew 6, 34, Be not therefore anxious for the morrow, for the morrow will be anxious for itself. That is six times that Jesus mentions this word anxious. It's about our provisions. It's about our needs being met by God. He said he'd take care of it. He said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Y'all remember that command by Jesus, don't you? He said, don't worry about tomorrow. The Lord's going to take care of it for you. You don't have to be fearful. He said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Glory to God. It sure is. Now look at 
Luke 10, 38. Now, as they went on their way, he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister did leave me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. But the Lord answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, for Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Folks, we just need to do one thing. And that's sit at the Lord's feet. Don't be worried and anxious about how to serve God or what to do in this world. There's just one thing that is important. Sit at his feet and listen to him. Well, God bless you. We're out of time. We'll see you next week. God willing.